four. I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I've touched on some of this before, but after chapter four, I'm going to go over this again for us today more thoroughly in the next couple of weeks because I think that this is something that, uh, that we need to really focus on. Amen. If you are exceptionally sleepy, sit on the front row. I'm serious. If you are exceptionally sleepy, sit on the front row. I guarantee you, you'll stay away. Amen. We're just trying to help you out. Tell your neighbor, I got to help you out. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Beginning at um, verse number 11. Well, verse number 7. I'll start at 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended <clears throat> into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who, as who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should, be, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the um, every one of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective workings by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm going to talk about walking in your gift. And I'm going to do this for the next couple of Sundays, um, and I think that it will be beneficial for us. I know I, I taught on this, I think, at the end of the year last year, as we began the year, and maybe I didn't, but I know that this past week when I was teaching uh, at the association, um, the people were blessed through the teaching, and I've gotten a lot of requests and comments since then, and it's just a vital thing for the body of Christ uh, that we understand this and that we began to walk in our gifts. And the Lord was ministering to me about this for the rest of the week and some things we need to do here in Tabernacle of Praise so that each one of us are walking in our gifts and every joint is supplying its part. And that's the important thing, that every joint supplies its part. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us. Thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Walking in your gift. Amen. Walking in your gift. Tell your person sitting next to you or close to you, you have a gift you need to be walking in. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Every one of us have been called to works of service. Amen. Called by God to serve one another and to serve the kingdom of God by bringing the light of the glorious, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bear uh, in the line, upon the lives and cultures of the people that live in this world. And when we say bring the, bring the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear, to bear upon the lives and cultures of the people who are in this world, it's important that we hear that when we talk about cultures, we're not just talking about something uh, that exists in another part of the world. There are cultures right in York, South Carolina that the gospel needs to come to bear upon. There are cultures in our families that have been established. In the, you know, we talked about atmospheres, climates, and cultures and behaviors. And sometimes it, when we see certain behaviors uh, in our families, uh, it's a culture that has been established that the gospel needs to come to, to bear upon that culture. And so it's imperative that those of us who come to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ starts bringing the gospel, to, the light of the gospel to bear upon even those cultures that have been established in our own families, in our own communities. Cultures translate into behavior. So when you see a consistent pattern of divorce in a family, that's a culture that has been established. When you see a consistent pattern of children being born out of wedlock, that's a culture that has been established. When you see a consistent pattern of alcoholism, that's a culture that has been established. It's not just an addiction, but it's a culture. And things don't, cultures don't change easily. Don't shut me off now. Pay close attention to me. Cultures don't change easily because it, cultures are established over a period of time. All right. So certain behaviors that we see that are exhibited in, in lives of people today, even in the church, it comes from things that have been sustained over a period of time. And many times in the church, we don't challenge. It may be challenged from the pulpit, but on a day-to-day -day basis, when you're walking with your husband, with your wife, when you're walking with your brother, your sister, your first cousin, your second cousin, your third cousin, and you know the truth of the gospel, and you don't bring the gospel, the light of the gospel to bear upon that situation, then you are not doing what you're supposed to do to help bring change in that culture. Amen. And that's why things don't change. People take, people, um, Christians a lot of times take church as a plaything. Because we will hear the gospel preached in the church and we'll go back home and it's a different thing. And we'll go to our families and it's a different thing. We'll get together and we'll laugh and joke with our families and don't ever challenge them in the way they live and the things they do. And we'll know people, we'll know people who come to church who are active in the church and, 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 and active in ministry and we'll know the truth of the gospel and we will sit and laugh and joke with them and never challenge them in the lives that they're living. Amen. We have been called to works of service. And if we're not doing that, if you think your only service is coming and singing, then you're missing the mark. You're missing the point of being a Christian. If my only service is preaching to you, then I'm missing the point of being a Christian. Amen. We have been called to works of service. We're servants of the Most High God, and we must never forget that. We are not servants of the devil. 
Amen. We're servants of the Most High God. From the youngest to the oldest, you don't accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord at 11 years old unless you're ready to serve him. And once you, and once you come to the knowledge of the truth, even if you're 11 years old and you make a commitment to Jesus, then you're saying, Lord, I'm ready to serve you. So if it's on your softball team or your baseball team or your football team, if it's on your dance team, if it's on the choir in, at school, you have made a commitment at 10, 11, 12 years old to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's your responsibility at the point that you are. God does not expect you to be able to explain the gospel like I can if you're 11 years old. But at the point where you are, God expects you to be able to bring the light of the gospel to bear in situations. So even though you may not know all of the scripture in the world, you know right from wrong. So when your friends are ready to cheat on the test, you can tell them, listen, if you're a Christian, that's not right. And even if you're not a Christian, it's not right. And I'm not going to share my homework or my test with you. Amen. Amen. We're servants of the Most High God. And a lot of times, we don't take that seriously. I'm talking, I'm talking to the church today. I'm talking to the church today. Amen. But it's something that we have to embrace. I'm God's servant. I am his servant. I've been bought with a price. My life does not belong to me. Amen. My, my life belongs to him, which means my time and my energies. My gifts, my talents, all belong to him. Amen. Amen. I advise you not to go to sleep on me this morning because I might walk up to your seat and tap you on your shoulder. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ah, amen. So because we've been bought with a price and we belong to him, and, you know, when we get... Sometimes that may sound like when you say you belong to somebody else, that you're possessed by them. It sounds like slavery, but it's not. Because Jesus said, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. There is no freedom like the freedom that we experience in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. All right. So there's a price that we pay for sin. All right. And it doesn't come at the end of life. It comes while we are living. We start experiencing spiritual death on this side. We start experiencing spiritual separation from God on this side. We start losing our passion for spiritual things. We start losing our zeal. We start losing our... Mm, you know, the get up and go we once had. We want to be in church. We want to be in worship. We want to be a part of spiritual things. But because we get involved in sinful things, then we start losing that passion. We'll find reasons. We'll start picking out stuff and people, and we'll start seeing things in people that are wrong that we didn't see before. Why didn't we see it before? Because our eyes were on Jesus. Now our eyes are on the flesh. Now our now I, now our eyes on 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 reasons where we don't where we try to justify ourselves in our wrongdoings. So we say, well, I'm just as good as this person, or I'm just as good as the other person, or I'm just as good as this person. It has nothing to be with you being just as good as me or anybody else because we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Are you hearing me? I always say, if you're going to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to Jesus. 
Amen. But because we want to justify ourselves in our wrongdoings, and teenagers, you have to be very careful about this. Amen? You have to be very careful about this because as a young person, you know, it's easy to, to, to you know, well, for some of us, all the people too. But as a young person, it's easy to, you know, it's difficult to want to be different from your peers. It, isn't that right? All of us want to be liked, but at certain ages of your life, you really want to fit in. You know, you want to be a part of the group right now. You know, I don't care about fitting in with anybody. Uh-uh. Come too far. Been on the road too long. You don't like me. That's okay. I'm going on to see Jesus anyhow. Amen? I don't have a group that I got to fit in with. No, no, no. I can stand alone in Jesus. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. But, but when you're younger, you don't, you, sometimes you don't have that tenacity and you want to fit in. So you have to be very careful that you don't start compromising. You have to be very careful that you remain a servant of the Most High God, even on the football field. When everybody else is cussing and, 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 and want to go out and drink and party, you know, you got to be, you got you to gotta know who you are. You got to know that you're different. You got to know that you are a servant of the Most High God. And it is your responsibility as a servant of the Most High God to bring the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bear in these situations. Because many of those young people on your football team attend somebody's church, have confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord. So if you confess Jesus as Savior and Lord, why are you confessing him as Savior and Lord if you're not a Christian? Amen. So, so it's a challenge for us. It is a challenge for us every day of our lives. Every day of our lives is a challenge for us. Anyway, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul brings, Paul begins to talk about the unity of the family of God. And that unity is based in the unity of the Godhead. Okay? There's perfect unity in the God. Walk with me now. Don't go to sleep on me. I, I think I need to walk down the aisles. Um, uh, there's perfect unity in the Godhead. I'm just not just threatening you. I'm coming in a minute. There's perfect unity in the Godhead. In that unity, in the unity of the Godhead, they operate as one distinct uh, uh, person. Amen? With this, even though there are distinct roles and purposes to be, full, to be fulfilled in the, in the history, uh, Lord have mercy, of the world, all right, when you look at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one, but they have operated in the history of the world in different uh, functions. In the Old Testament, God spoke directly to the prophets. In the New Testament, he speaks through Jesus Christ. And now, after Christ has ascended into heaven, even though he ever lives to make intercession for you and me, right now, the Holy Spirit is operating in the world and lives in the hearts and lives of believers. Amen. Now, when you look at the Godhead, what you see in the Godhead is that there is perfect unity. There's, perfect, there's no confusion of roles. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, amen, he will not speak of his own, but he will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. 
So the Holy Spirit is not telling us anything that he does not get from the Lord. Because he is the Lord. Amen. But the picture of that is that that's perfect unity. That's perfect unity in the Godhead. So when you look at, this, at, at the body of Christ, and this is just, this is just uh, 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 foundational stuff to walking in your gift. Because when people start talking about walking in their gifts, you'll see that sometimes there's confusion in the church. We'll get there. And there never should be confusion in the church because, that, because the Godhead exemplifies us perfect unity. Okay, I think I need to walk down the aisle. So, you don't believe I'm going to come tap you on your shoulder? Close your eyes. All right. Better look at me today. I'm not bad to look at. <laughs> Amen. So the, 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 the Godhead exemplifies perfect unity and roles and functions and in ministry. So what he says, to, what that shows us is that there must be perfect unity as we walk in our gifts. As we operate in our gifts, there has to be perfect unity. Amen. There is no place for confusion. All right. There is no place for people thinking that, hey, because I do this and because, uh, because I, I, I do that, I'm better than you. Perfect unity. Perfect unity. Amen. Uh, we're supposed to learn this and we're supposed to model this in the world. Out of this, that unity grows a diversity of types of services. When we talk about a diversity of types of services, we're talking about a diversity of types of spiritual gifts. God did not intend for all of us to be the same. That's why when you look out over this congregation, we don't even look the same. Amen? Family members may have some resemblance, but, but if we're not in the same family, we don't look the same. All right? So, I mean natural family, not spiritual family. So, amen, there has, there's going to be a diversity of types of services, and they're given by God for one purpose. That one purpose, say that one purpose. That one purpose, amen, is to build up the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ is built up, the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. So every spiritual gift that is given is given for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. All right? Every spiritual gift that's given is given for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is built up, then there is the advancement of the kingdom of God that will come forth. Amen? All right. Yeah. God, his purposes uh, uh, behind our diversity is to bring together and build a multifaceted, multi-gifted body that will win the world for him. So every spiritual gift, when I talk about advancing the kingdom of God, every spiritual gift that is given, the end result of it is that we will win the world for Jesus Christ. That's why you have to bring the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bear upon people's lives in every situation that you find yourself in. You will, we will win the, the, the world for Christ when on your football team, Joshua, you're sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Kijan, at school, you're sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jessica, oh, at DSS, you're sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. Minister Foreman, at UNCC, you're sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. When we begin to bring the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bear in lives, uh, upon lives and situations that we come in contact with every day, we will win the world for Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen because we sit in church on Sunday. It's not going to happen because we go to a Christian concert. It's not going to happen because we have a convention. It's going to happen when we go into the marketplace and we share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to happen when you go to your banker and you're trying to get a loan for a house and in the midst of your loan, you start talking about Jesus. You hear me? That's when it's going to happen. Wherever you find yourself, as you go, make disciples. That's when it's going to happen, and you and I have been gifted to do that and empowered. Can I forget that? You've been empowered to do it. Amen? You have been empowered to do it. And guess what? God didn't even give you the spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So you can't even operate in fear and use that as an excuse. Lord, I was scared. God said, I didn't give you that. If you were scared, it didn't come from me. So if you were scared, then that means you submitted to the authority of somebody that you shouldn't have submitted to. You didn't even operate in the sound mind that I gave you. You say, well, Pastor, I'll get fired if I, if, if I start talking about Jesus on my job. God said, that's why I gave you a sound mind. I gave you a sound mind so you know how to operate right. Amen. So if you can't talk about it sitting at your desk, hey, let's go to lunch. But the more important thing is that, is that when, you, when you're at work, you're not participating in gossiping. You're not participating in lying. You're not talking about your supervisor. You're doing your work. You're not even stealing paper clips. Because you give someone the opportunity to ask you about the hope that lies within you. I tell you, God knows how to work this thing. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah in here today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, 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 uh, hallelujah. And so, so understanding all of this and understanding that God intends for us to be a multifaceted, uh, multi-gifted body, this is why it's important for you to discover, develop, and begin to walk in your particular gifting. And when I say walk in your particular gifting, I mean operating every day in the gift of, that God has given you. I, was, I wasn't in Bible study Wednesday night, but I was told that Elder Hoskins talked about 
uh, how each one of us need to be in our place. You know, and, and that's so true because, excuse me, when you're at home and you're supposed to be in the church at the Fellowship of Believers or wherever you're supposed to be, your gift is missing. Your gift is missing. And if there is something God wants you to do at that particular place at that particular time, when he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, I didn't say it. So when you're somewhere else, now, 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 maybe the Lord assigned you to be somewhere else for that day. But if he didn't assign you to be somewhere else for that day, then you're out of place. And so when your gift is supposed to be in operation, and you never know when God is going to give you the opportunity to minister to someone. I've told you over and over again that even on Sunday, if you come and you feel like, well, that message does not apply to me. Maybe there's something God is saying that, that's going to, that, 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 that he's preparing you for, all right, that right now you don't feel like that message applies to you, but there's somebody you're going to come in contact with. Either before you leave worship or before you leave the church grounds, on the next day. So you, you are not spiritual enough to discern some of these things. So the best thing to do is be obedient. To be where you're supposed to be. So if just by chance the Holy Ghost prompts you, by chance the Holy Ghost brings somebody, uh, brings you in contact with somebody else that needs to be ministered to, you're going to be in place so that you can be utilized by the Holy Ghost to do what he wants you to do. Okay? Okay? All right? And, and, you know, now, as we go through this topic and we talk about spiritual gifts, we want to stay in the confines of the scriptures. Amen. All right. There's a lot of stuff out here. Amen. You know, people, and we, we've studied this before. We talked about this before. People today want to be spiritual without the Holy Ghost. Amen. They, they, want to, they, want to, they want to know spiritual things, but they don't want Holy Spirit things. Hear me good now. Because I don't know how many of you all know your horoscopes and read your horoscopes every day. I don't know how many of you all wearing your birthstone rings. And I've already seen what the sign says about when you were born and what's in the stars for you. I don't know. I don't know who watches the, I don't know, they have even have, do they have, still have the 900 network or 900 number you call? Uh, the, the, all that's on the internet. See, I don't know who, I don't watch what you're Googling on the internet. I don't know what you're trying to find out on the internet about what somebody said, you know. And we, when you're listening, you know, I was, uh, the, I was torn between what the priest this morning because the Lord just began to speak to me this, this week about how television is such a detriment to us. <laughs> Ooh, tele television is a detriment to us. Yeah. I want to ask how many of y'all watch certain shows, but I won't do that. But, 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 but how, can you, how can you maintain your spirituality when you are en engrossed in some of the things that's on TV? And you religiously watch certain things that's on television that are totally opposed to the things of God. 
you know, a young man posted something about y'all watch that. You know, an empire is a is a is a popular show. And and what he was saying was that you know it just reinforces the stereotypes that white people have about us. And it does. And that's why I I don't understand you know Tyler Perry being a black man writing some of the stuff he writes, and we just love it. And it, it reinforces the stereotypes that white people have about us. You know, but we still, we, we watch that stuff. When we were coming up, you know, and we didn't like, we didn't like uh, buckwheat on the Little Rascals, and we talked about how bad that was for, for black people, and all of the shows, um, uh, there was another, maybe it was Auntie Mama, I don't know, it may not have been Auntie Mama, another black woman, but all of that stuff. That, and, and we look at this today, and we act like, you know, and we're watching it, so if we're watching it, their ratings are going up. I don't understand why black people write, but you got to understand this. And we talk about this when we talk to young people about the music that they, that, that, that they listen to, some of that music they listen to. The people who write these things, the, the, the motivation behind them is money. It's not that they're trying to build up our race. It's not that they're trying to address the issues that are going on in our community. It's not that they're trying to be spiritual. The motivation behind it is money. And until somebody starts bringing the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bear even in these situations, things will never change. We're out here marching about what they're killing black people. Well, that's, that's what white people think, that all big black men are a threat and that we're all thugs and a whole lot of other stuff about black people, and we're watching these shows on television and getting enjoyment out of it when we should be turning it off. I don't care if 10,000 other people watch it. You don't have to watch it. Especially if you're a born-again Christian. Why do we get so much enjoyment out of this stuff? It speaks to our carnal nature. It speaks to the lust of our flesh that loves to be satisfied. And you cannot tell me if you say that the music has subliminal messages in them and is speaking messages into the minds of our children, what are these television shows doing to your mind as an adult? And so now, the Holy Ghost is vying for your attention. The Holy Ghost is vying for you to, be, to, 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 to grow in him and begin to operate according to his promptings. There's a war going on. And we, every day, Except most of the time for the two hours on Sunday. And maybe one hour on Wednesday night. You can't tell me that most of us have a real deep prayer life. It 
So that, 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 that war that's going on between the flesh and the spirit is raging. And the Holy Ghost we cannot win because God is a gentleman and he is not going to go against your will. So the more you submit to the flesh, you see most of the time we think of flesh as we think of sex and drinking and, 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 and what else? What else? Whatever else. <laughs> but we forget that the flesh can be satisfied through what we watch on television. And it fills our minds with ungodly things. So now when you get to church on Sunday morning, you got to filter the message through all of this other stuff that you've gotten all week long. Now, put television along with the folk on your job that you've been talking to, the folk on the Internet you've been talking to, and all the other stuff that you've been listening to. Now the Holy Ghost has to kind of filter through all of this mess to try to get your attention for an hour on Sunday morning. And if preacher preached too long, I tell you, our pastor just preached so long. Is this helping anybody? I'm going to get to the gifts. I'm going to get to the gifts maybe next week. Right. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, want, we want to stay in confines of Scripture. It's important that we stay in the confines of Scripture, saints, that, 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 that because of so much stuff that's out there. And a lot of times when people read things on the Internet, they're not wise enough to discern that these things don't always line up with Scripture. You know, you just have to read through some things, and sometimes you got to read who wrote it. You got to see what perspective did they come from, you know, before you just buy into everything that sounds right and that sounds good. We want to stay in the confines of Scripture when we talk about spiritual gifts, okay? Stay in the confines of Scripture. Um, you got to remember that the Word of God is our guidebook. That's, that's what we go by. You're safe in the Word of God. I, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Tell your, tell your neighbors better safe than sorry. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I come. I thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You remember what Paul said to Timothy as he encouraged Timothy concerning end times? how people will grow more and more wicked. And he encourages Timothy to remain faithful and accurate in ministering to, to God's people. Paul says to Timothy in uh, chapter uh, 2, I think it's chapter 2, yeah, chapter 3, uh, verse 14, he said, but you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right? So what Paul is saying here is that, Timothy, stay in the confines of Scripture. 
Tell your neighbor, stay in the confines of Scripture. Well, you better tell some people, get in the confines of Scripture. Get in the Word. You got to know more than, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. You got to know, know more than Jesus wept. You got to know more than in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You got to know more than that. Get in the confines of Scripture and stay there, okay? All right? And this is key to any teaching on spiritual gifts, all right? You got to be really careful because there are, there are people out here who are consulting other spirits. And you have to understand that the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, there is the spirit of God and there is Satan. All in the spiritual realm. What does Satan come to do? So how does he steal from you? First of all, he deceives you. He'll have you calling a lie the truth. He'll have you calling wrong right. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think he's stolen from all of us at some point in our lives. He's killed something in all of us at some point in our lives. He's destroyed something in all of us at some point in our lives. But thank God for resurrection. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God of new birth. So what the devil meant for evil, God will make it good in your life. He'll turn it around. But you got to be willing for him to do that. You got to be willing for him to do that. Okay? Now, in the latter half of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 to 16, Paul focuses on the work that it takes to help the body grow in faith. All right? Okay? To grow in faith, to grow in unity, and to grow in, in, in maturity. This is, this is what he focuses on as he talks about these works of services or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what God is concerned about is, God, is that you grow in faith, that you grow in unity, and that you grow in maturity. Because when you are full grown, all right, and it's not just us, and I know we're a small part of the total body of Christ, it's for the entire body of Christ, a body of Christ. But his desire is that we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we be a mature body. The scripture in Corinthians has said that, that, that the whole creation groaneth and waited for the manifestations of the sons of God. And I understand what that means, but then I also understand that we've not yet manifested. We're immature. We're very immature. We are. We're very immature. Immaturity keeps you at home on Wednesday night when you should be in church. Immaturity keeps you from paying tithes when you know you're supposed to pay them. Immaturity keeps you out of a, 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 a strong and vibrant faith. Immaturity stops you from praying for the sick. Immaturity stops you from visiting those in prison. Immaturity. Because most of the time we have the time and we have the ability to do these things. It's our immaturity because we refuse to grow. And many times when, when, when situations are presented to us where we can grow, we're somewhere else. You can't grow in God at Concord Mills unless there's a Bible study going on there that you went to. Amen. 
That's what God is concerned about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, God, help us today. Amen. So when we look at these gifts, I'm going to talk, talk, explain gifts in a minute. How long have I been up here? Amen. Not long enough. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We got to 12 o'clock. Picnic starts at 12 o'clock. Turn the air on so people can wake up. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said not long enough. The Bible said obedience is better than sacrifice. Say not long enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all still awake? Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So in, in, in Ephesians, he talks about these gifts. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what reason? For the perfecting of the saints and the building of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So these gifts are given, and this is only five. Many times we talk about these as the leadership gifts, all right? The leadership gifts, we talk about these. But there are other gifts and other, other passages of Scripture that we will look at uh, probably next week, okay? Um, uh, and the reason that this is, and I mentioned this the other Sunday, and I'm going to come back to this today, because as we look at spiritual gifts, one of the things that, that, that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 as he starts the chapter, you know, and whenever you're reading things, and some of us understand this, you don't just read the verse and take it and run with. You need to read the, the context in which it's written. You know, so when it gets over into chapter 12 and he starts talking about spiritual gifts, you got to remember that he wrote something at the beginning of the chapter. So at the beginning of the chapter, you know, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your bodies as a holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, and reasonable service means your spiritual act of worship. Present your body. So before he starts talking about operating in spiritual gifts, and see, there are a lot of people that want to operate in spiritual gifts, but they don't want to present their bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's why scripture says, be holy for I am holy. Now, your body belongs to God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This vessel is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I have to come to the point in my life where I recognize that this body does not belong to me. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So, then I just can't put everything in this body. Now, it may be lawful for me to drink beer, might be lawful for me to drink wine. It might even be lawful for me to drink liquor. But it's not profitable for me. And if I drink, it's not profitable for this baby that's going to grow up and see me drinking and know I'm the pastor. Say, I can control my, how many of you heard people say, I can control my liquor? Tell the truth and shame the devil. You can control your liquor, but if, if Dre sees me drinking, then what Dre going to say? Oh, pastor was drinking. I can go do the same thing. And then Dre can't control his liquor. And I was foolish because I couldn't control mine anyway. <laughs> I 
because there is a spirit that's tied to it. You see these stores that say wines and spirits, they're not lying. They are not lying. There's a spirit that's attached to it, that's attached to it. And those spirits will attach themselves to you. And when you don't want to do it, the spirit that's attached itself to you will pull you to do it. That's why you got to be careful who you associate with. How many of you grew up and your parents said, you, just, you shouldn't be bothering with them? You, said, you just don't want me to have friends. No, they were wise. God said, I call it old because they know the way. You young, you got a lot of strength. You don't know anything. All you know is what you see. But you got parents that are old and they know the way. Good thing to be old. I thank God for being old now. Just 61, I thank God for it. But I know some things that you don't know, young people. I know some things. Some of them I had to learn the hard way, but I know them. Don't be foolish. I was teaching one time, and this girl asked me, uh, she said, did you do this? Or did you? I said, yeah. Well, why do you want me to do it? You're foolish. If it wasn't good for me, it's not good for you. It don't work. Sin does not work. It's not good for you. So Paul says, present your bodies. Your spiritual act of worship was not, it's my spiritual act of worship is not just me getting up here preaching. It's presenting my body as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means I can't do what my flesh wants to do. Or maybe what my flesh used to want to do. I didn't get to the point my flesh don't want to do it anymore. Well, my flesh, no, I was wrong for saying that. Because your flesh is going to always want to do it. All right? But the less you do it, the stronger you build up your spiritual man. You have, you know, you, you can resist things. I used to love pork chop. I'd eat, I'd eat a pork chop sandwich uh, or pork chops at least once a week sandwich. <laughs> Y'all heard me say that. Sandwich. <laughs> I look for me some fried pork chop. One is some fried pork chop. But now I don't want fried pork chop. I don't even want pork. Don't want it. Why? Because I realized it wasn't good for me. And then I started weaning myself off of it. What it no, I didn't just wean. I stopped. Yeah, I just stopped. Some things you have to wean yourself off of. Some things you stop. And now I don't want it. I, I had some turkey chili in the, in, in the freezer yesterday. I made in February. I said, Lord, I wanted this chili. Chili's still good. I put that chili in the microwave and put me some hot sauce on. That was some good chili. <laughs> turkey chili, not beef chili. Turkey is just wonderful. But you just got to, you got to, if you don't like it, you got to develop a taste for it because you know it's good for you. You know that any beef that's grown in America is grown, unless you grew it yourself and you know what you fed your cow, is pumped with steroids and, and filled with antibiotics 
So any beef you eat in America is bad for you. And if you're foolish enough to say you got to die, of, well, I got to die of something, so I might as well die of eating beef. Well, just go ahead and die. Amen. Salt, salt is, I, I know I'm not talking about spiritual gifts, but I'm helping you. Okay, this is discipline. Because if you're going to present your body as a living sacrifice, you got to discipline yourself. And if you cannot discipline yourself in the natural things, how will you discipline yourself in the spiritual things? Are you understanding me? And the reason we have such a struggle in spiritual things is that we are undisciplined in the natural. Have you ever dealt with your lack of discipline? It pays to pay attention. So present your body. Present your body as a living sacrifice. I'm not trying to bring you into slavery or bondage. The scripture is not trying to bring you into slavery or bondage. God is concerned about your freedom. And maybe you are free, but you need to work on getting somebody else free. Because you can be very well setting a bad example. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so Paul talks about presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, and whenever we're operating for God, if we're not operating with, from the perspective of heaven, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, then we're not worshiping God. We're doing something, and other people might be inspired, but for us, it's not profitable because we're not worshiping God, okay? And as we go further in, 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 with this, when we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, when it was written, it was addressed to those people uh, who were obviously not mature in the faith. Think about what happened in 1 Corinthians. Paul starts talking to them about their division. Some says, I'm of Paul. Some says, I'm of Apollos. You know, like if, it's like some people say, well, 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 I follow Bishop Jackson. Then somebody else say, well, I follow Elder Hoskins. You better not. And uh, uh, I follow Elder Stowe. <laughs> and that was what was going on in 1 Corinthians. Paul said, is Christ divided? Christ is not divided. He's not divided. But when he goes on to get into, into spiritual gifts, there were those people in the church who spoke in tongues. All right? And so they felt that they were more spiritual than the people that didn't speak in tongues. All right? So he had to, and, and this was an indication of their lack of maturity. Isn't this something that you can be operating in spiritual gifts and you think you're mature, and then by your actions you're proving that you're immature? See, God is concerned about your maturity because when you are mature, the things you do will be for the edification of the body of Christ. About to ask somebody, what was I talking about? Be for the edification of the body of Christ. Be for the edification of the body of Christ. Are y'all with me? Is this helpful? He's concerned about your maturity. The things which Paul wrote in the book were not matters of deeper life. Think about this now. 
They were not matters of deeper life. They were fundamental and they were elemental things. When he dealt with spiritual gifts, he was dealing with fundamental things. What is fundamental? Foundational. Now, I know in our churches, we've not taught this as foundational things. But when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he was dealing with foundational things, elemental things. This is elementary. It's not for the folk who've gone to college. This is exactly what he's doing in Corinthians. So when we get caught up in, well, I do this and I speak in other tongues and I prophesy, these are things you ought to be doing. These are elemental things. They're not things in the deeper life. Deeper life folk cast out demons. Deeper life folk pray through. Deeper life folk. God uses them to work in miracles and what deeper life folk. Okay. So as we get into this teaching on spiritual gifts, how long have I been up here? Since 9.03. It's almost an hour. Stand and stretch because I'm going on. Uh, Y'all think I'm joking. I'm going right on. Thank you. Excuse yourself. Amen. Are you being helped? Is anybody being helped? Is anybody being helped? I'm going to do this for the next few Sundays. Because I want us to get to the point that we begin to operate in our spiritual gifts. All right? There are some misconceptions we have about spiritual gifts. And one is confusing spiritual gifts with spirituality. Because you operate in a spiritual gift, you think you're spiritual. And this is what was happening in Corinth. They were operating in the spiritual gifts, but they were operating in carnality. They were not spiritual. They were very carnal in what they were doing. Very carnal. Those who spoke in tongues, as I said, thought themselves to be a couple of, notch, couple of notches higher on the spiritual scale than those who did not have the gift. And apparently this church was an exceptionally spiritually gifted church. But it was also one of the most carnal churches in the New Testament. Are you hearing? So you don't want to, we don't want to be carnal. You can operate in carnality. You can operate in spiritual gifts and be carnal. Are you hearing me? Scripture says, well, before I get to that scripture, uh, this is what Paul said as he talked to them about tongues and prophecy. In chapter 14, verse 5, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even the more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. All right? And then he goes on in verse 12 and says, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So the, the church is not edified because we speak in tongues. The church is edified when there is either the interpretation of the tongues or when there is prophecy. 
prophecies are not given in tongues. Prophecies come forth in the language that you speak. God is not even going to give a prophecy here in French. We don't speak French. We speak English. All right? Oh, Lord, have mercy. And do you realize that the gifts of God are given without repentance? They're irrevocable. Now, I know it's talking there in the text about Israel's, the covenant relationship with Israel and what have you. But when you apply that to the gifts of God and callings of God, they're irrevocable. You can get out of being spiritual. You can be very carnal and still operate in spiritual gifts. And we've seen it. We know it. Amen? Uh, don't, uh, I, secondly, our spiritual gifts uh, do not excuse us from other responsibilities. A misconception is that because I operate as a pastor, then I don't have to visit the sick. Whatever your spiritual gift is does not mean that you're excused from other responsibilities. Because we are called to what? Works of service. All right? So if you have the gift of evangelism, it does not mean that you cannot work in hospitality. Doesn't mean that you can't clean the church. So you work in, or you have a certain gift, and then you know you're gifting. Well, that's that, you know that's my gift, and that's not, you know that's how God has called me to work in. No, you are not excused from other responsibilities, and vice versa. All of us have been called to share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not be an evangelist per se, but you are a witness. You have a responsibility to share your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't go to sleep on me. Don't tune me out. This is for your lifting. This is for your good. God wants to take you somewhere. Because you want, to feel, you want to feel significant in the body of Christ. You want to feel significant in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to. Don't tune me out. One of the misconceptions that goes along with spiritual gifts, and I'm almost done for the day. I said I was going on, but I, I am almost done. Is an, an obsession for knowledge about spiritual gifts. Studying, 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 studying. But the Lord expects after you study to put some of this to work. Don't get obsessed with spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, there's too much intellectualism in the church. We know a whole lot of stuff, but we're not putting a whole, we're not putting a whole lot of stuff into practice. We got to put this into practice. We got to be doers of the work of the word. Are you following me? Lastly, defining spiritual gifts in terms of the spectacular. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We, it's very distressing in the body of Christ when, when we define various gifts by the use of giants in the faith. We start talking about, you know, James Robinson and R.G. Letourneau, and, and some of y'all don't know who he is, and, 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 and Billy Graham, you know who he is, you know. And then we start defining, oh, you know, he's such a great evangelist, you know, and I'm not like him. God it did not call you to be spectacular. God did not call you to be spectacular. 
He called you to works of service. Whether you're ever on a national stage or not, God has called you to works of service. You may not be in a coliseum preaching the gospel to thousands of people, but you're on your job. You're in your home. You're in your family. God did not call you to be spectacular. There is an over-obsession today with people that want to be on television. You know, they're on the internet, they got, they, got, they got a video, and sometimes you see those videos, they don't ever show the congregation. And they're just preaching and they're doing all of this stuff and, you know, they're posting it out there. They want to be seen. It's all right to put stuff on the internet. But what's the purpose of doing it? God didn't call you to be spectacular. And that's the problem today with so many people arising being bishops and apostles because they want to be spectacular. They got one member and they're an apostle. <laughs> Establish one church and they're an apostle. Scared to go into foreign lands to preach the gospel don't have a concept of what apostle is. Been to Hawaii. Man, apostle. Come on. There's an over-obsession with, 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 with the spectacular. And somehow or another, and, and I'm, I'm done, somehow or another in our communities, Maybe it's because we have such low self-esteem. Titles seem to make us. Titles seem to make us feel better about ourselves. It's something. It's something. And we got to have a title. We will get angry. It was so, it was so upsetting. And we're not upsetting. It was just disturbing to me. In our last ministerial meeting, uh, Somehow or another, the, the discussion got, went to um, giving because, you know, we help people with uh, transient, supposedly, homeless people. And this one particular church does free meals, um, maybe every Friday or what have you. And, and then the man said, jokingly, laughingly, well, this bishop came, this bishop came, drove his van, and, uh, and uh, said, uh, People came in to get lunch. They come every Friday, drove, bring a van full of people. And uh, somebody said, can I take the bishop a plate? You know, now the connotation behind that is, if you are a bishop, then you shouldn't be begging. So people see if you take that title and you operate in that gift, you should be out begging for lunch. You see what I'm we have, a, we have an over-obsession with titles. Your title doesn't make you. Doesn't make you spectacular. God has called you to faithfulness. If I'm never on television, as long as I'm faithful in the things of God, that's all that matters. Because in the end, I want to hear God say, well done. 
good and faithful servant. I don't want to, I'm not concerned about being on national TV. I'm not even concerned about having thousands of members. If I can just be faithful and do the work that God has called me to, that's all that matters. Being spectacular doesn't bother me. Should not bother you. God wants you walking in your gifting. Now, we gotta, if you want the rest of this, you have to come back next Sunday. There is more. There's much more. I haven't even started talking about spiritual gifts yet. There's more. Every one of us in here, every one of us that's been born again has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the benefit of us all. Every one of us, every one of us, say including me. We are without excuse if we're not operating in our giftings. We're without excuse. 